When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with another week of Teach Tapes, and today the focus is going to be on mayhem moments, both limiting and creating them. And Steve, this is something you saw thematically. Steve, it's great to have you back here for week one. We did week zero last week, so week one of the season. Keith, great to be back. Um, it's good to watch some football again and see some things fly around and just try to figure out what happened. So, Steve, we said mayhem moments, and that's the theme that you picked out for this week. Some of the things that you saw and a coaching quote that you share with me that you do have to limit or create those moments that that's what coaching is about so that's the the format today those are the things that we're going to talk about here but in general I want to hear your philosophy on it and some of the things you shared with me before we got going it was fun to watch and and obviously week zero everybody's still you know finishing up their fall camp or, or trying to get a little taste of football before their week one and you know it's interesting for these guys to be the test case a little bit of just coming out fresh and not having played I mean the game I think everybody was watching was Northwestern Nebraska being in Ireland. That was an awesome setting and some new coordinators involved. And, you know, obviously just exciting to figure out, but the big moment that everyone keeps going back to is the onside kick. You know, right. things are going, you're hitting and I might throw myself out there a little bit, but you know, the situation, we can say what it is, the outcome, it is what it is. But I mean, that scheme that they put out there was pretty cool. I mean, it was sound, they had a five-by-five five alignment all game. They went four-by-six. They maxed out the widest guy to the field, got that far edge stretched by Northwestern. And, man, that kick went pretty tight to that near center on the, the alignment of the kick return team. But they've got three over two with a huge pocket. And that's something that I don't think is a Northwestern concern. That's just the scheme, right? How would you know what guys are going to leave early week zero? But just trying to be aggressive, that's something that a lot of teams could have in their bag and look at, hey, can our kicker execute that assignment? Because the numbers and the board, it made sense, right? So we can always go back and forth on the timing of it and the execution of it, but it, it was interesting to see some good football there. Yeah, when you look at those types of situations, how did you typically handle those? Is that something that's going to be called on the sideline and we're going to go, or is that something you're going to line up in and it's going to be on or off? Oh, I, I think it's definitely something that the head man is, is fully aware of and that's a game-changing moment that you're not going to be, you know, there's guys, I mean, I think it happened in the NFL a few years ago, a guy called a fake without the clearance of the head coach and he didn't last very long after that. So it is definitely something I think if you do have a check with me system, that's something you've worked all week. And, you know, a lot of times for us, we wanted to kind of take a pitch and see what that thought was and what that actual look was off of the tape and what it was in real life. And, hey, the next time around, we got it, let's ride but you're calling it from the sideline or you've worked that mechanic and there's some sort of green light, whether it's from the sideline or the guy you've empowered on the field. Something you and I were messaging about and I brought up is that in our world of go for it on fourth down and analytics, it seems that the one thing that's disappeared is you don't see fakes as much. At least I feel you don't. I know part of it too can be 
what you're doing scheme wise. I mean, when the ball can be snapped to one of three guys wearing a 70 something, probably not a good idea, right? Maybe, maybe those guys are athletic enough, but that could be part of it too. But I think that's an area maybe isn't being looked at enough is that fake punt. And I think at the opportune time, those things can become a game changer. You know, you got me smirking over here. It's it's fun to draw up and, you know, have your, your thoughts, whether it's a, a scheme of the week or kind of your base stuff in your back pocket. But, you know, if, if I was Matt Campbell, I'd, I'd much rather have David Montgomery or Brock Purdy handling the ball than, you know, the Australian punter trying to keep it around the edge. You know, it, it's, it's good to have in your bag. And I had this conversation a couple of days or a week ago or whatever it was with, is it something you try to scheme up and make sure it's really dialed in or, do you have the reps and, and the head coach is really confident, hey, this is what we do from the left hash, from the right hash, and they're holding up and getting everybody out. Maybe it's a, a middle wedge, right? Whether it's the old school pro punt where you swap some guys in at guard tackle, snap it to the PP and bash forward for a few yards, or is it the punter delay where he takes his steps, extends the ball, and, man, let's keep it in a delayed draw. Baylor did that to K-State a couple of years ago with I think it was the backup punter, actually. He got demolished afterwards, but, man, he made the play and it sparked the rest of their game. So it's two different schools of thought, but not only from the go for it with your offense or with the special teams, but Hey, is it a gadget or is it something we've had to counter our weaknesses, our known deficiencies with our scheme to set yourself up later in the season? There's a, an argument to be made for both of those situations. I mean, certainly there's those times you want to leave the offense out on the field. The other times it, as I said, it could be something that's a surprise. There's always, when you pull one of those off, it, there's a little bit of that momentum change as well. And I do think you have those that you're going to work and, and use when the right situation comes up. And I was pointing one out to you that we had when I was at BW, and we called it, and I, I cannot remember for the life of me where the, the name came from. I remember asking our head coach, John Snell, about that but we called it woody punt and so on this punt what we would do is especially on the interior uh, we're running a subgroup out on the field so it definitely looks like the punt team's coming out but those guys are bigger guys who can block inside and, and it was certainly something we'd like against teams are going to put smaller athletic guys out there maybe for the hold up in a situation where those guys we're going to get them up there they're going to wedge block. We're going to snap it to the up back and, and plow ahead for a yard or two there. And it's something we were successful with. Um, we did use it at the opportune time. But one of those situations, too, you know, the right call, the right time, but the right people to execute it as well. 100%, especially when there's a little bit of confusion of people coming on and off the field. That That's something that, that has a lot of staying power. And, you know, on the flip side of that, Keith, I think a, a smaller percentage of the Iron Bowl a couple of years ago where Gus Malzahn subbed on the punter, the Australian punter, and kept the rest of the offense on the field. So Bama's watching their sideline, and they see the punter go on the field, and Jalen Waddell runs out there. Well, Bama's got their defense out there. Now you got 12 guys on the field. It's fourth and four, and that ends the Iron Bowl. So that's a situation you talk about the mayhem aspect. Like, and you really – sometimes you see those eye-violating things just like on a – pop pass or double pass or whatever it is like it's all about a little bit of creating that hesitation on the other side so it goes both ways there's some of those things man you don't have the eyes for it am I really watching that number 48 uh the the 
linebacker who's usually in as the guard on punt is actually now being subbed in with a 70-something, a backup lineman. I mean, you miss those kinds of things. And I know from an offensive perspective, too, you know, when you're running some kind of a gadget play, and you have you sneak somebody in there maybe who usually isn't in, you have to be careful where you put those things. I know I, I did a podcast talking about trick plays, and double pass is one of those. And when I could, I always like to sneak in maybe that that freshman quarterback who nobody really knows who he is or whatever. But I'd always make sure that we could do that where he snuck in on our sideline, that they can't take a peek and say, hey, who's this guy? Something's up, right? So whether that's in offense or in special teams, when you do those things, when you, you get those people in, you, you certainly want to make sure that you have a plan. What are you going to do if they, they call it out, if they see it? Are you keeping it on? Are you calling timeout? You taking the delay? Yeah. I think there's a lot of consideration there. Just because your plan was to go out and execute it doesn't mean you got to follow through if something isn't right with the situation. Well, and something that came up in college football, I think this was probably you know, five or six years ago at this point, but Cal was doing it with Jared Goff, and they had, I think he's 16, they had their punter also in 16. So they had the number, like you can't have your punter and the quarterback or backup quarterback in the same number. Right for that exact reason of you think it's the punter back there, you roll right and it's a guy dropping a dime out there. So I'm not sure if that's something you can take advantage of in high school or not, but you know you go back to situational awareness on fourth down and, and try those eye violations. It, it came up in the Northwestern Nebraska game at important times. Northwestern end a half fourth and one, a multiple shifts motions with the tight end, but also a look over after that, and then they went for the quick QB sneak. And they caught Nebraska kind of sleeping them. Hey, these guys are just messing around with us. And end the game, fourth and six, shift, look over, and then they went with the hard count. Well, Nebraska didn't jump, but they tried to take the delay. And uh, Nebraska actually kind of declined the penalty and made them pooch from a tighter field position. But, you know, it, it complements it. And when you're ready for situational football, it, it makes things really fun and exciting. Well, let's stick on that idea there of, of a pooch. And that's another situation that came up in that game and how you're going to cover those pooch kicks. Yeah, it, it was interesting just because, again, I think it was actually the next play after that fake hard count. So Northwestern's punting the ball, and it's fourth and seven, I believe, from like the plus 45. And you know, Nebraska's got their, their defense on the field because they're not rushing the punt and risking the, the roughing or hold up and trying to get guys around the returner. Like, just make sure the ball's in the air. Northwestern's in a three-shield with end tackle and guard on each side, and that frontside gunner gets held up in, in the pile. Right, so the Nebraska guys waving fair catch and running around like a decoy. Nebraska didn't have any Northwestern didn't have anybody circling behind the returner because that free release guy was in the ground and the backside guy stayed with the returner. Yeah, ideally you love to have him behind the ball, but man, Northwestern gets a great bounce from the two back to the four. But let's be real here, if that thing sputters out there, it's it's not a great look if no one's there to touch the ball up. And sometimes when you know there's a certain situation you're gonna get for a look man, you'd love to split those guys out. You can and get them involved around that pooch touch up a little faster. I know in, in looking at the details of that too, it's important to assign people who are going to have certain responsibilities when you're in that situation where there's a, a guy signaling for the fair catch uh, or even if he doesn't signal, right, that, there's, that you guys are going to handle it a certain way. You're going to assign guys mm-hmm. to be in certain spots. Talk to us about that. Yeah, and the biggest thing, the, the returner play, 
I think we talked about in a, a episode or two ago is that returners coach is with those guys full time, right? That's the only thing that you involve them in their special teams. And a lot of guys, it's one of the skill spots, your, your receivers, your running backs, guys who are used to handling the ball and just making sure you're fielding the ball the best way to set up the offense or defense, right? On kick return, you could get down there and feel the ball below the numbers and your angles are all sorts of screwed up with the wedge. And generally it's not a great kick, right? So you're in a little bit of a mismatch situation. Take the fair catch, let that ball bounce towards the sidelines, maybe put that foot out of bounds like that Packers rep everybody shows and get the ball to 35. But either way, you're starting with firm field position at the 25 or the 35. Man, you field that ball on the two inside the numbers. You're lucky if you can get that thing out past the 20 sometimes. The other thing, I mean, you're in a holdup and maybe it's the end of half and you're not going to do much with the ball. These guys are, are trying to wave fair catch and they're running after a crappy punt and you got your own guys buzzing by the tower and there's a lot of shrapnel out there. I mean, everyone's got their poison call to get away from the bouncing ball on the ground, but we had a clear call. That was something John Wozniak had for a long time when I was with him at Oklahoma State and just get those guys out of the way. Dip, dodge, duck, dodge, whatever you got to do, but the returner's coming and he's going to try to secure the ball so we don't lose yards on the, on the bounce. Always good things to have with those guys living full-time with the returners. From the other side of it, too, those cover guys, you want them to have certain assignments, too. As you mentioned, you want somebody to put their, their heels right in front of the goal line when that, that guy's you know inside the 10 or at the 10 signaling fair catch and, and another guy in front of him making sure there's uh, not a muff punt. Just to make sure I didn't glance over this too much, I mean, that, that pooch coverage, Every time you're taking that frontside gunner off of the returner, hey, he's sprinting through the 10-yard line, flipping his head, and making sure he can circle around with his heels on the two. And now he's playing shortstop, getting his eyes up to the ball. That way he's not right having a little bit of grace to the goal line there, making sure that we're touching up the ball. Now, you know, the backside gunner, some people cut him free. Some people let him go after the fair catch of the returner. But that's somebody that, again, should be working to touch up that ball. and Generally, Keith, you're having your guards and tackles, right, stay on the returner so that if in case he does run off for that fair catch and muff it, you still got someone watching right through his elbows, right, to see when that ball hits the ground. Some people will collision the returner, the first guy, and then find someone else for the ball. That's a whole nother coaching point there, but just making sure you can appropriately touch up the ball and still have somebody for the returner. Now, in looking to create mayhem or limit mayhem, there's sometimes a tell on the sideline. The coaches are part of this too. And it's something you, you brought up. I heard it too. Urban Meyer talk about last year is what, where's the head ball coach and what's he doing in these situations? hundred percent. I mean, and that's where every, every coaching staff is different from intent and where their time is. And it is just one of these things is not like the other, right? It's, it's the same thing like the canary in the coal mine of what's actually happening here. Well, this guy hasn't messed with special teams at all. And you're watching like a hawk at the other sideline and man, a little bit of like something's not right. Just the spidey senses there of, Hey, and this is going with the Scott Frost theme a little bit of, Hey, is he in the kickoff huddle every time? Or was it just before the surprise on sides? And this, this isn't a Nebraska Northwestern thing. This is, I think in the last episode, Keith, you brought up, what are you doing pregame and starting to get a feel for, you know, who the QC is and the coordinator and how they're interacting with the specialists of, man, is that guy always around for these situations or is that a red flag? I think so too. And I see it at the high school level all the time is just the guy who 
guys who take too long, something's up if they're taking longer than usual in in their huddle or in getting their team, uh, special team or special teams unit out onto the field, right? I think you you have to uh, have an alert situation on the sidelines. So uh, going back to the Woody punt, right? Those guys typically are not standing around the special teams coach on fourth down, but in situations like that, you know, head coach is thinking about it. He's, he's like alert Woody, maybe, you know, before third down, those guys, we got them there. And then it's not spend time and count them up and make sure everybody's here. It's like, Woody punt go right. That you can't, you can't all of a sudden change your procedures and expect not to, to throw up a red flag to the other side. And, and I think a good point here, Keith, too, just again, as like an asterisk to all this, we, we talked about just making sure situations are, are best practices going into that first game. It's the opener for everybody, right? And, and we're talking through some different situations. That's not to say a kid who's, who's in the arena, he makes one split decision, and it's a, lo- a different look that we can talk about of how to go about something a different way. I mean, you look at the Florida-Miami game a couple of years ago, right? Two, three years. And, I mean, there was penalties and situations galore of, like, what to do and what not to do. And then you go about the rest of your season, right? There's a reason there's the scrimmages and the mock games and the non-conference games and then the conference games. It's a good learning opportunity for all of us and, and make sure everybody can kind of find a way to keep getting better. So, Coach, going back to last week, and it was funny you messaged me, can't remember if it was Saturday during the game or Sunday that we spoke it into existence. So we were talking about having the backup ready, having that plan B ready with your specialist. And, you know, it's one of those things where we talked about it. Now, all of a sudden you recognize those things. So you saw a few of those come up this this past weekend with guys having to fill in. Uh, and I think for all of these, it was with the punter. Yeah. And just the NFL at the end of preseason, their, their roster numbers are getting trimmed and things happen you still got to play games right so the bills everything that happened with their roster i mean they went from having two punters cut one of them and then weren't able to play the other one and the backup quarterbacks were competing pregame of who was going to punt the ball in the game and barkley goes out there and averages like 40 yards a punt or something crazy so everyone's getting fired up on the sidelines and you know the colts i think their punter got down for a season ending injury and they were trying to find a guy to come in they went through in the, the press conference of hey it happened with the kicker. He got hurt preseason last year. The punter had to kick um, the field goals, and they part in the backup running back as the holder for that game. So sometimes you even see guys that are the holding issue. You get the other snapper in there in college, right, because they hold for the other snapper all the time. You know, these guys, they're half joking about it. But, I mean, we played Kansas one year, and they actually had the backup snapper who's in a knee brace wearing number 67, and he was the holder, and they were all fired up because – it was a smooth operation, a little bit different than what it had been. So sometimes those guys who are just living in the, the specialist pool or, they, you know, just athletes, right, figure it out and got to go do what you got to do. All right, Coach Hauser. So that brings us to our clip of the week from Teach Tapes. What do you have to share with us this week? I, I thought it would be really good, Keith, to, to stay on week zero and, you know, sitting on the couch like everybody else, you, you see – Charlotte FAU going down and minute or so left in the half and, and Charlotte's kind of a, a broken play there and trying to scramble around and ends up ball tip overthrow big re- interception for FAU and instead of it being you know a one score game it now becomes really fast out of hand so you start to hear the announcer go tips and overthrows got to get those right so he's talking about a saying they had in Seattle when he was a player there 
and I've heard it in some of the other spots I've been of just making sure you can cause that again mayhem as we've said and make sure you capitalize on it whether it's a turnover circuit whether it's your position drills you see the dbs with the the pencil arms hitting the tip balls and making a play receivers coaches talking about not having platter hands right and that ball gets served up for the dbs making sure you can catch it with your eyes and your fingertips and not give the the rep to somebody else so i think it's just really quick you can even see in, in one of the clips there is the jets practicing those escort blocks up the sidelines to help their buddy out play legal and make sure you finish with the big play so kind of think it was nice to have the game rep some different drill reps from the other teams and you can even see the example of them repping the finish with the blocking yeah i know i've had on the podcast before it was years back it was either a division two or three coach who who they led their uh, division in defensive touchdowns and we talked about some of that and, and you know those players have to work you can't assume anything in this game so just to think naturally, oh, they're just going to get up ahead and block. I mean, there's things you have to go over with these guys to make sure, first of all, that they do everything legally. So this interception and then coming back, and now you don't have the opportunity to capitalize on that mayhem. So talk us through some of the things that you would work to create these kinds of situations and make sure that your players are ready for it when it happens. As much as you can. I mean, any of these drills, Keith, it's about simulating real situations. Um, there's another clip that I can share with you of the Browns going through it of, you know, just a linebacker drop and the safety rotating high and that high ball, late high ball over the middle. It's every offensive guy's worst nightmare. And a linebacker gets their hands on it. Hey, the Browns guy, the safety comes underneath the ball. Hey, the Oski, Oski, Oski. And then the linebacker is making the lead block as the safety is running this thing up the field. So a lot of different ways you can go through it. I think you'll see some different clips in there with the one you attach, but it's just interesting how people can work in a group setting or even just in their own positional work. Yeah, I think you got to look for those opportunities. I know we would do a period when we were at BW, uh, a five-minute period at the beginning of practice, and I think we could just call it a difference maker period. And we would find different things, create those situations and simulations of things that you don't necessarily get to, to work all the time. I mean, we draw things up to where the route ends, to where, you know, you want this guy to get the coverage. And then there's all the things that happen after that. So you have to look for those opportunities. So I know like on the offensive side of the ball, we work the drill. We just called find work and we would put different cones or, or bags out there, standups out there on the field and, you know, call a play throw the ball, uh, run the ball, whatever it might be. And guys had to continue, get down the field, and, and as I said, find work. And, you know, you want to see it come up in the course of the game. Why do you do those things? And it was like a couple weeks later, we had trained it into our guys. I think we ran like a four-vert play. Our guy caught it and got popped a, a few steps after he had secured it. Ball came out. And because our guys hadn't stopped and watched the play, they were finding work. There was a receiver who came right down and was on that ball. It's the difference. Those things make a difference in the course of the game. But as I said, if you don't work them and it doesn't happen in the game like you like, it's not necessarily on the players. It's on you because you didn't teach them. You didn't drill them. You didn't look for how can I create these opportunities in this for these guys, this recognition of here's how it's done. And just a, a small point to add to that, Keith, one, I think that's awesome, but even just in the meeting room, if you don't have the practice time every so often to, to touch on it, hey, how many guys are in the final frame? Right. right? The final clip of that film, what, what's the jersey count? Ours versus theirs. So just to find a way to reinforce it, even if you don't have the time on the field. Yeah, all kinds of ways you can emphasize it. It's, it's all about coaching and 
as we said, the opportunities to create or limit mayhem as the theme of the week was. So make sure that you follow Coach at Teach Tapes for a ton of these over the course of the week. He's giving you a great coaching education, 220 or less throughout the day. So Coach, love what you're doing there and love this conversation today. Appreciate the preparation that you put into it. Always. Thanks again, Keith.